Welcome to Season 3 of the Before They Were Beatles podcast. Before They Were Beatles, Episode 23, I'm with the band. As I mentioned at the start of the previous episode, I'm delighted to have been engaged as the consultant historian for a new Beatles tribute band project. This won't be your typical Beatles tribute band of mop-top pretenders. For focused on the music of the Hamburg and Cavern days of 1961 and 1963, these are your proto-punk, leather-clad rock and rollers, the Savage Young Beatles. So I thought it might be fun for this episode to take a short diversion and take a look at what is actually involved in starting up a new Beatles tribute band. This is the story of beginnings, the story of Tom, George, Bobby and Ed, the Savage Young Beatles. I'm your host... Alan J. Porter. Part 1. The Singer. Any band has to start somewhere, with a desire to play music, an idea, a dream, and hopefully somebody to back the dream and help it become a reality. In the case of the Savage Young Beatles, this vision belongs to musician Tom Hamilton, who has already served time on the Beatles music circuit with a residency at the Cavern and membership of several more traditional Beatles tribute bands. The backing for the idea of a group devoted to the Beatles' rock and roll roots comes from his father, Bill, and together they are an enthusiastic pair, excited about what lies ahead for the group. They were kind enough to spend some time chatting about their background and the beginnings of this new project. Among the subjects we discussed were why start a Beatles tribute band, how Tom got his break busking outside the cavern, playing John, built on supporting a Beatles musician, discovering the Beatles rock and roll roots, and of course, starting the Savage Young Beatles. Before we play this interview, I must apologise. We had a few microphone issues during the recording, and while I've tried to correct as much as possible, there is still the occasional drop in quality at various points. Hopefully they won't get in the way of what was a very interesting conversation. So, Bill Hamilton, Tom, I just wanted to say thanks for being on the podcast. I guess the first question is, why start another Beatles tribute band? There's a lot of them out there. Tom, you're involved with quite a few of them. What was it that made you think there was a gap in the market that you wanted to start another Beatles tribute band? I just think that period of the Beatles is really interesting and is only ever covered slightly, if at all, by any tribute bands. And I thought it'd be a good idea to do a show that focuses just on those years because it's quite exciting. So you're talking about the the early years, like the the, the Hamburg and Cabin Club years, yeah? Yeah, all the energetic rock and roll stuff. So I know, Tom, in an email, you told me a great story about how you sort of ended up in Beatles bands with starting outside the cabin. Could you maybe talk about that a bit? Yeah, I was uh, busking uh, during COVID when you could people could still go to the shops, but you couldn't go into any bars or anything. So I thought I'd just start busking Beatles tunes. It was kind of at the end of Matthew Street, and John Keats, one of the directors there, could walk past me a few times and then stop me one day and ask if I fancied a residency there when it opened up. So as soon as it opened after COVID, I was in there a couple of times a week. And then some other people there had been watching my Mean Mr. Mustard covered video stuff. So kind of got in two different ways. Very cool. And that got you into working with some of the other Beatles tribute bands there. Is, is that right? Initially, it was just um, just playing there as a solo act. And right. then I met Rick. Rick Allen from the Cavern Beatles in the Cavern pub when we were both quite drunk. Uh, uh, didn't think anything of it till a few months later when he asked, he just said, are you still interested in being a Beatle by a text? And I was like, yes. And then I, I was in the band after that. Well, that was the funny, sto- funny story though, Tom, when you, you're, you're auditioning, it's supposed to be like an hour long audition. 
after sort of 15 minutes or so, they said, that's enough. Let's go for, go for a coffee. You're in. So have you always played the John Lennon role or have you done some of the other stuff as well? Uh, well, on my, uh, my YouTube channel, I make the records from scratch. The drums are programmed, so I can't claim to be a drummer, but I do do all the all the bass parts and all the guitar parts and all the vocals, but I don't think I could do Paul McCartney properly because it'd be too hard. But on stage, you're primarily John, yeah, the John yes. persona, yeah. I'd have a bash at George, if anyone's listening and wants to book a George. Uh, and Bill, what was your sort of reaction when Tom sort of said he wanted to do, set up his, his own Beatles tribute band? Well, I mean, he, I mean, I mean, as his, as his father and everything, you think, well, he's going to have a kind of a, of standard kind of life you know he's going to go to school till he's 18 and go to university and get a degree in some standard you know be an accountant or an architect or a doctor or something like but that was from about 10 years old that was never going to be the plan um all he ever wanted to do was play music you know uh and he went to a, a festival a sort of community festival and here we were living in the northwest of england in Whitehaven, and there was a very professional uh beatles tribute band on and we got to the front row and Tom just stood there in awe of this band for an hour and a half as they played Beatles tunes. But there's a funny story about that, isn't there, Tom? About the membership of that band. Yeah, the uh, it was the Backbeat Beatles and Chris O'Neill was playing Paul McCartney and he plays George Harrison in the film Backbeat. But he is now the Paul McCartney and the Cavern Beatles with me. You went from being looking at him for, from a 10-year-old to playing alongside him on stage, yeah? Yeah, it's quite weird, isn't it? <laughs> Tom was really interested in the early stuff, weren't you? And then the history of what the songs they were playing. All right. Before I had a concept of what rock and roll was properly, I was always drawn to like Long Tall Sally and Roll Over Beethoven and all those songs. Yeah. And then the blues and all that. When did you discover the Beatles sort of played that stuff in their early days? Was there a sort of a point where you discovered the sort of the, the rock and roll Beatles, as it were? I remember being quite shocked at the leather and the quiffs. But I can't remember how long into the Beatles. I'd say you're probably about 12, 13, that kind of age. Because you kept pestering me uh, to um, to take them to the cavern to go to Liverpool. We were living in Carlisle. Uh, and for some of your listeners, that's probably about you know, 150 miles north of, of right. Liverpool. Um, and so we would drive down on a Saturday morning uh, to Liverpool and just go to the cavern and then just hang out. Yeah. So when he came to you with this idea of a... A Beatles tribute band to cover the Hamburg Cavern days. You you were up for that? Or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I love the I love the Beatles from you know from A to Z. I'm a huge, huge Beatles fan. They were the band that I, as a kid in the '60s, grew up listening to. They were the talisman, you know, that against which any other band was judged against. So, and I was just so. I mean, Tom Tom was going to be a musician of some kind, and to be frank, being a rock musician in this today's climate ain't easy. So, if he could, you know, make a living doing something he really enjoyed, uh, with doing a kind of early Beatles cover, you know, tribute band, then fantastic. And I think, I think as well, it's. Um, Setting up a Beatles tribute band anywhere in Liverpool is probably the best place <laughs> to do it uh, with with its history, not only the history, but also all the, the people in the in the Liverpool music scene that Tom knows, and he's been here for a decade, so he's well well in with the local music scene and musicians. And um, you know, you cannot you cannot live in Liverpool without, without just imbibing that Beatles vibe. I mean, where we live, I mean, we're what a mile from John Lennon's Auntie Mimi's house, three quarters of a mile from the Wilton Church. Church Hall where Lennon and McCartney met. Uh, I walk my dog past that church every single day and see all the tourists. 
isn't it, Tom? Well, you're, you're just kind of, it's there, and it becomes yeah. part of you. So, Bill, from a business point of view, is setting up a new Beatles tribute band. Were there any pitfalls that you weren't aware of? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not cheap. And I think, actually, Tom choosing the early period helps from a business perspective because we're not having to purchase all of those costume changes that, that your typical Beatles tribute band wear. And that's that, you know, that's expensive doing that four times over for everyone. Um, so the setup costs are, aren't cheap. So doing it, doing it in the early days from a business perspective helps. And also what I've, it's been amazing actually, because we, I think we've, we've just found that, that it's, it's the concepts caught on amazingly all over the place, you know, uh, not over, not only over in the States, but, but here in, here in the U, in the UK too. And they've just been booked to um, to perform like three times during the Eurovision week when the Eurovision Song Contest is on. And it happens to be here in Liverpool for the first time ever. And so they're playing in the Beatles Museum. It's, you know, it's called the Beatles Story. That's never really happened before. So how did you come up with the, the Savage Young Beatles name? I think it's you, actually, yeah. I have to say. We were, we were talking about that. I was talking about this morning with a, a colleague of mine who helped me with the website and everything. Yeah. Uh, and he was looking looking it up. And there's the, there's an album called The Savage Young Beatles. Which, That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but there's no there's no band ever been called The Savage Young Beatles. Right. But I was looking at the album cover today. So that's interesting that it does exist as a thing, but it's only an album rather yeah. than a band. So we think in terms of all that, you know, all that modern social media, Google optimization, search engine optimization and all of that, that we'll, we'll manage to, and again, that's part of the business thing. It, it's a slight challenge because this album exists, but right. um, we think my guy who's an expert in it, far more expert than me, thinks that we'll, we'll manage. It might take us a couple of months to climb to the top of the Google search right. engine, but, but he's quite confident that we can do it. So that's all. And again, I suppose that's all part of the kind of, whether it's a tribute band or it's not, setting up a new band, all of that social media side is, is obviously hugely, uh, hugely important. And I think it's interesting. You know, I mean, the, that Instagram page has got nearly 3,000 followers already just for in, a f in a few weeks. You know? Right. And uh, this is before you've even done your first gigs. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, you've just done your first video at the Jacar at the Jacaranda, haven't you? So how did, how did that sort of come about that you managed to get that historic spot to do the, the video? But the guy who he is, so it was quite easy to get in there. I walked, I walked in and, and met in the venue, mentioned the name of the band, Savage Young Beatles. And he went, oh, yeah, I've heard of them. And I'm thinking, how on earth can I have heard of a band that hasn't even played its first gig yet? But he'd heard and he'd heard that Tom was in it and he'd heard that George, who plays... It's funny, George, real name George, plays Paul. Terribly not, a confusing. not at all confusing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the promoter um, handles all the gigs there, had known that knew Tom and knew George right. was playing Paul McCartney and was uh, immediately keen on booking them for these gigs. So over that Eurovision week, the first week in May, they'll be playing the Beatles Museum. They'll be playing the Jacaranda uh, later the same night. Okay. And then, on, and then later in the week, at the end of the contest, they're going to be playing a a venue called Phase One, which is a three hundred capacity place right in the centre of Liverpool. So it should be real. That should be a really good kick off to the band's career, I think. During the interview, you may have heard mention of Tom's Mean Mister Mustard Beatles covers channel on YouTube. I highly recommend checking it out, and I'll leave a link in the show notes. But as a taster, here's Tom's cover of the early Beatles backbeat favourite, Rock and Roll Music. Just let me in some other rock and roll music. 
Part two, the management. Starting a band is great, but you need someone's help to get the word out, coordinate the marketing and find gigs, especially when you're trying to break into a new market. And that's where manager John Weiss comes in. Among the subjects I discussed with John were John's involvement with Tom's career to date, his background as a promoter, the Beatles as a lifestyle, John's guitar age guideline, getting the band's first bookings, and the upcoming US tour, details of which will also be in the show notes. Thanks for being on the podcast, John. Um, could you maybe introduce yourself and what your connection with the uh, Savage Young Beatles is? Well, my name is John Weiss, and uh, with Tom uh, Hamilton, uh, we conceived the idea for the Savage Young Beatles. The reason why Tom and I work together is that uh, I was a fan of his earlier band called uh, The 45s, which I just stumbled across on YouTube and was was really knocked out by what Tom was doing, you know, at, at the ripe old age of, I think, 16 or 17. He had a very uh, sort of small faces, Steve Marriott thing going on, and which at any age is impressive. And, and here he was channeling this stuff, you know, as a teenager. And when that band broke up, uh, he started uh, another band, an original band called uh, Little Triggers, which is still his band. And we got in touch with each other. I found him to just be such a, a talented fella that I wanted to work with him, which is something I've never wanted to do before because I'm a, really just a live events promoter and presenter uh, by trade. But, you know, managing an artist, you know, I'm just not that masochistic. So, you know, I never <laughs> wanted to do that. But, you know, with Tom, I just thought, wow, there's just so much good going on here. I'd just love to be part of this. So that's what happened. And then uh, at a certain point, I think I suggested to Tom, knowing your your deep, deep appreciation of early British R&B uh, or British rock that, you know, influenced by R&B and, and your command of it, I think we should do a side project. And I think we should do a Beatles tribute. Again, given my background as a promoter presenter, I've worked with tons of British tribute bands, or rather Beatles tribute bands. And I didn't want to do the standard thing. I, I wanted a, a, a young, really raucous, raw, deep dive into the early, early Beatles, um, which is my favorite era of the Beatles. And I knew Tom was up for the task because he loves that stuff and he just does it so well. You know, and here we are. You sort of answered my next question, which was why another Beatles band? As you said, there's there's hundreds, if not thousands, of them out there. What was it that, with, with this I'll, idea, that you thought there was a niche there that it would be something different? Well, I'll tell you what. As we know, you know, the Beatles are more than just a band; it's a lifestyle. You know, it's a way. It really is. It's a way of life. I think when you when I first met, I said to you, and this really is true that I'm not alone here. I'm one of many, 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 many hundreds of thousands of people who, if we don't listen to the Beatles every day, we at least think about them. And I am that person. You know, I'm from New York. I was um, five years old, I guess, you know, when the Beatles came came onto American Airwaves. And there was an audio imprint, you know, right away. You know, I, I heard, you know, I want to hold your hand. And um, at that age, and from that moment on, I didn't know why, but I was really embedded in the voice of Lennon and McCartney my whole life. I just love that specific period. And having worked with all these Beatle tribute bands, and to be very honest, 
there's this attitude in rock and roll, right? Where like, you know, it's live fast, die young. It, it's really hope I die before I get old. And I, and, I, and I agree with it. I think the best rock and roll bands are young. And I have a strict rule that I think your guitar should be older than the guy playing it. You know, I really do believe that. Everyone should do what they want, including being a Beatles tribute band, no matter how old you are. But personally speaking, I am a bit of a purist. I have a very, very high standard and a very, very developed ear when it comes to my rock and roll. I'm a bit of a snob about it and proud of it. And I like it rough, raw, and edgy. And I thought there's not a Beatles tribute band out there that delivers on all those levels. And that's what I want. I wanted to focus on that period of the Beatles where they were still figuring out who and what they were. When I met Tom, I thought, here's the young man who couldn't do it. As you've been setting up the band and things, are there any surprises or unexpected barriers that you sort of had to overcome? Things that you, you weren't expecting? No, to be truthful, not really. And I'll tell you what, because, you know, I, I don't come at this as just as a fan. I, I kind of come as this as a, you know, a seasoned professional who's made every mistake in the book the hard way and paid mm -hmm. for it dearly. And, and I realized that, you know, this is a very guarded market, you know, the Beatles tribute market. That's number one. Number two, there were a lot of promoters who uh, thought to themselves, oh, you know, people aren't going to be interested in this part of the Beatles. You know, they're not going to hear mm -hmm. the hits, which I disagree with. Because I, you know, I'll go head to head with any promoter who thinks he knows his Beatles. And I will tell you that if you can find a song for me that I'm not familiar with that they did, and you can do it, you know, and you can represent it, then I'll buy a ticket. And so that was the thing, you know, I really didn't um, come up against any challenges or anything I quite didn't expect. And what I began to see is that. And you probably have seen this yourself with before they were Beatles, that there's a, an incredible hungry thirst for, for this period of their career. And people are shocked and amazed, you know, how they didn't know about it. And that's the good news. That's what I'm saying. As we're recording this, the band's actually not made its debut yet, but you started getting bookings and we're doing Abbey Road mm -hmm. and the River and stuff. How do you go about sort of getting a band on the road and getting the first bookings? This will answer your question. Part of the reason I wanted to do this at all was because I, th I think of, you know, the Beatles brand, if you will, as an entree into so many things that, that are otherwise impossible or hard to do. And that was why I wanted to create this band around Tom to begin with, was because I love his original music. That's a, that's a vertical climb to get people interested in that. But people are, for obvious reasons, you know, if it's something that's Beatles related, everyone's like, oh, oh, what do you, what's going on? What are you doing? You know? And so that helped, right? And I knew it would because it's the Beatles, you know? So it was pretty easy because of that. Also easy because I know a lot of these people. And it was also easy because it was a very fresh take on a very well-defined market. In fact, the interest level is high. And people were eager and interested in seeing them and booking them. So just sort of leading on from that, you've got some geese coming up. Yeah, I know you've got a, a US tour sort of lined up for sort of May time frame. Is that something you can share where the band's going to be? I can. Yeah, I absolutely can. As we know, they're going to be at the Abbey Road on the River Fest, May 25th through 28th, and um, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. 
And um, thanks to Gary Jacob, who's the promoter, presenter, producer, creator of that series. He reached out to me because one of uh, the people he works with stumbled on the Savage Young Beatles and thought, maybe we need to book them. So we're very fortunate to have their support. And um, that's, their, that's their debut. That's their American debut. And then from there, on the 30th, 31st, and 1st, and 2nd, as it turns out, we're going to be in your neighborhood. We're going to be in Austin. And on, the, uh, and on the 30th, we're going to be at the High Ball. And on the 31st, we're at the Carousel. And then on the 1st, we're at Little Darlings. And then on the 2nd, it's going to come to me in a second what the other what the other venue is, and I'll tell you in a sec, but we're going to be somewhere else. And what makes it so interesting to me is that they're barnstorming. You know, they're doing five shows in four days. And yeah. are they're going to be doing, you know, at least one set a night, in some cases, even two. So we're bringing the whole Hamburg work ethic to Austin. See, what's nice about this Savage Young Beatles thing is, is that when we often think about these Beatles tributes, you know, we think of them as sort of like theater shows, you know, you go see them in a theater, yeah. or you see them at a festival, or you see them in a performing arts center, which is all very true, you know, which are basically seated shows for older audiences. And I maintain that what's nice about the Savage Young Beatles is that they have a Beetle boot firmly planted in both, you know, theater shows, pack shows, and seated shows. And they can also do SR, standing room only, sweaty, grimy, you know, cavern-like venues and peel the paint off the walls. And that's what they'll be doing in Austin. Cool. I look forward to being at each of those gigs. So Yes, as yeah. do I. Early in the interview, John mentions Tom's band Little Triggers. It's not Beatles or even the right era. But here's an example of Tom's contemporary rock sound with Little Triggers. Part three, the concert organizer. If you're an organizer of one of the top Beatles festivals, how do you decide among all the Beatles tribute bands out there what to include in your program? Melissa Brum from the Abbey Road on the River Festival was kind enough to join us to discuss these very questions. We talked about her discovering the Beatles, getting involved with the festival, deciding on what bands to book, and then what does a new band need to exhibit to catch their attention? Melissa, could you like introduce yourself and your association or how you're involved with Beatles tribute bands? Yeah. So my name is Melissa Brum. I am the co-producer of the music festival Abbey Road on the River, which is a five-day Beatles and 60s music festival that takes place in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Um, I've been working for the festival since I think I came on in 2016. So I've seen a lot of Beatles tribute bands <laughs> in that time. But even before that, I've been a fan of Beatle, of the Beatles since I was like 12. I've definitely yeah, seen a lot of seen a lot of Beatles tribute bands in my day. I'd like to pick up on you being a fan of the Beatles since you as well. I mean, how did you discover them and what was it about them that caught your attention? 
I don't, I get that a lot. And it's just, I think a lot of people become fans when they're around that age. I think that's like a time when people glom onto something of some kind, whether it's music or sports or whatever. I, yeah, I glommed onto the Beatles. I think I had seen part of Hard Day's Night and I had always like listened to them and my mom would play them at different times. And I like found her records and I started playing them. But I think it was when I started to watch them in Hard Day's Night that I was like, oh, these, this is like funny. I'm, I get this. Like, but I was relating with it somehow and it just like made sense it made like the music a step further, like it made them deeper and like more relatable in a way. So it was something, something with their personalities that just made me want to like learn everything about them and made me want to learn guitar and just, yeah, I fell into the whole fandom fangirling thing after that. Yeah. It is a weird, it is a weird phenomenon that I don't really understand. (laughs) Yeah. Even like people, I used to be like one of the youngest Beatle fans and now there's, you know, obviously younger Beatle fans um, just growing up or in their twenties. And so it is, I don't know. It just seems like you reach a certain age of like that preteen and then you're just like, you get them and then you're just like hooked and in it. So I, I always thought it was weird that I got into them too, but like I never grew up with them. But when I was growing up, it was like Backstreet Boys and I never got into that kind of stuff. I was like, give me the boy band from the 60s. So, so how did you get involved with Abbey Road and the River? You said you've been there since 2016. The way I got into Abbey Road and the River is I started remixing Beatles music with one of my friends and we we had been musicians and we had like performed together uh, just a little bit, you know, here and there. And we, you know, we just wanted to mix it up. We wanted to do something different. So we were like, well, no one's really doing, no one's remixing the Beatles. No one's pulling their part, their songs apart at that time. And so we were trying to do that. We tried to do something different with their music and kind of explore it in a different way. And so we got into Abbey Road as uh, these like Beatle DJs and we hosted these dance parties late at night for people and just had mashups with other 60s songs. And it was, I don't know, it was like super fun. So we got into, we started performing at the festival that first year that I ever got into. Actually, that was 2015, I think. And then um, in 2016, uh, I just went to the festival as a fan because I love the Beatles. And and then that fall after the 2016 festival, they were hiring a Instagram manager, Instagram uh, mm-hmm. social media manager. And so I jumped on that and I got the job. And, and I just, from there, it took off and kind of, I, yeah, I worked in music production um, in Madison, Wisconsin, where I'm from for a few years. Yeah, for a few years before that. So I was I was always familiar with like the music industry and stuff. So I kind of just picked up whatever was thrown at me. Like, can you do this? Can you do that? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. So it just stemmed from there um, into doing more design work, into doing more with the uh, marketing and creative stuff and kind of overall user experience. Just every department in a festival, I have my hand in the pot. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a lot, you know, to produce but it's a lot of fun oh very cool so at any point in the year do you get fed up with the Beatles um no but there are there are times where I'm like a Beatles song will come on and I'll be like eh I don't want (laughs) I want to listen to like something different so going back to the the Beatles tribute bands how many Mm -hmm. bands do you normally sort of book for for the festival 
we book up to about 50 bands that come every year, be 40 to 50. I'm not sure our exact count this year. And there are a variety of Beatle tribute bands. We get some headliners from the 60s, like um, Mickey Dolan's of the Monkeys and the Rascals. But then we have everyone else is a tribute band of some kind. So we have, yeah, we have a lot of Beatles tribute bands. We have a lot of lookalike tribute bands and a lot of non-lookalike tribute bands that just perform the Beatles. Either they're sound alike or they put their own spin on the Beatles music and kind of mash things up and do um, cool renditions of Beatles songs. And then we have other tribute bands too, like a tribute to Fleetwood Mac or The Doors or Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan. We have a lot of you know, we pay homage to a lot of the artists from the 60s. So it's not all Beatles, but right. it's majority Beatle tribute bands. I mean, I'm sure you've got some that are like every year, but h- how do you pick from the thousands of Beatles tribute bands out there to get that 30, 40 core Beatles bands for the festival? Do, do, do people send you CDs, tapes, downloads? I'm sure my age there. Do people <laughs> send you, you know, <laughs> links to downloads or, you know, YouTube ch- things or, you know, or do you just become aware of ones that are out there that are getting buzz. I mean, what's what's the process? You must be inundated with with stuff. How do you, how do you sort of get through yeah. all that? It's a lot sometimes. <laughs> a lot. Some of the time we get recommendations from customers who come and fans of the festival that are like, "Hey, I saw this band in this place. You should really check them out." And they'll send a link. Or we get inquiries to our website from bands who haven't been to the festival from all around the world. So they'll just send in their link and their website through through our website and we'll take a listen there and see if we're interested and if it fits our lineup that we're working on. We have a lot of bands that come back every year that are, you know, festival regulars that we just rely on to always come. And then, but we always, you know, try to make space for new bands that we can showcase. You know, we like to have a variety. It wouldn't be interesting if it was the same every year or so. But it's also, we want to keep the familiarity of some certain bands right. that right. people know every year that keep them coming back. So it is kind of, you have to have that mix. But so it is like either we get links from random bands that we've never heard of, or we get recommendations. And then if we hear about a band so many times, we're like, okay, let's like really look into this. Um, so are, are there particular things you listen for? I mean, what makes a good Beatles tribute band for Abbey Road on the River? Good. Yeah, that's a great question. So normally it's the um, sound, you know, we, it has to either be, it has, they have to sound exactly like the Beatles, or they have to have something really unique that is the Beatles, but has their unique spin on it. And then if they're a, um, a lookalike band, we prefer to have a video, you know, that shows them how they're moving and if they're really doing it the way the Beatles have done it, you know, with like Paul nodding his head and John tapping his foot and all that stuff. So we look for all that. We look for everything like that. And we've seen a lot of tribute bands. We've seen a lot of Beatles concerts. So we try to keep it. There's a variety of it. So you can have, we like to have the variety of the core tribute bands that look just like, look and sound just like them. And then the people who sound just like them and put their own spin on it. So it really is just like what, what you're in the mood for. And it like, oh, this is really unique. You know, I'm really jiving with this other band that's doing interesting Beatles or like, they're really spot on. They're doing it exactly the way the Beatles sound. So those are the kind of two things that we look right. for that really catches our eye or our ear. Say, do, yeah. do you have like a theme each year that you try and put the, the program around together? Or There are certain years that we do. 
next year, you know, is obviously the 60th anniversary of the Beatles coming to America. So we'll focus Mm -hmm. a lot more on the Beatles and lookalike bands and um, really celebrating that core anniversary. Other times it's just like, you know, just celebrating the Beatles and the the 60s and we don't have a strong set theme. Last year was our 20th anniversary of the festival. So we showcased bands that have come through all the years and we made different programs and all this art around the site. So so sometimes we do we do themes, especially when it is pertaining to a Beatles anniversary of some kind or Paul's 80th birthday and all these highlighted dates, red letter dates in history. As Melissa explained, Abbey Road on the River is a five-day Beatles extravaganza held over Memorial Day weekend, May 25th to 29th, in Jeffersonville, Indiana. I'm delighted to be appearing at the festival this year as a guest where I'll be hosting daily discussions on the Beatles' early years. We will also have copies of the original Before They Were Beatles book on sale, as well as debuting some new sketch art cards. The festival website with the full lineup and ticket information can be found at arotr.com. That's arotr.com. And of course, I will also put that in the show notes. The Savage Young Beatles video. While I was putting the finishing touches to this episode, the Savage Young Beatles first official video was released. You can find it on YouTube, but with their permission, here's the full audio version of Some Other Guy. If you want to know more about the Savage Young Beatles, you can check out the website for news and details on upcoming gigs, plus a link to videos at thesavageyoungbeatles.com. Or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And of course, I'll also add all those links in the show notes. Book announcement. To mark 
Both the 20th anniversary of the original Before They Were Beatles book's publication and the popularity of this podcast, we've decided to answer many long-standing requests for an updated and expanded version of the book with a new 20th anniversary edition. If you'd like to keep up with the progress on the work of the 20th anniversary edition of the Before They Were Beatles book, you can sign up for a subscription to the new dedicated Substack monthly newsletter at beforebeatles.substack.com. This newsletter will give you behind-the-scenes access to the development of that new edition with exclusive first looks at the new text and more. So why subscribe? Well, the news and updates sections each month will be free to all subscribers, but paid subscribers will get exclusive first look at in-progress updates to the expanded and updated edition, selection of author's notes, playlist suggestions, and recommended reads. In our next episode, we return to our story of the early Beatles with the promised deep dive into the events surrounding Pete Best's sacking and Ringo's arrival as a member of the Beatles. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Before They Were Beatles podcast. If you would like to leave a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform, that would be great. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. The music heard in this episode included The Beatles, Money, intro from the Decca Auditions, Tom Hamilton, Rock and Roll Music, Little Triggers, High Time, and the Savage Young Beatles, Some Other Guy. You can find full versions of the music heard in this episode on the dedicated Before They Were Beatles podcast YouTube channel. If you would like to make a comment or ask a question, you can follow the podcast Twitter account at Before Beatles. You can also find copies of the original Before They Were Beatles book on Amazon in hardcover, paperback, and Kindle editions. I'm your host, writer and producer, Alan J. Porter. Stay well, stay safe, and enjoy peace and love. The Before They Were Beatles podcast is a production of Megrin Entertainment, a division of 4J's Group, LLC.